2: Ch- Chumba, ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus, Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, this is Greg Berger and you are listening to the Geek Cast Radio Network. The Transformers, or the meets the Autobots
0: wage their battle to destroy the evil forces of the Decepticons. The Transformers, in the skies, Transformers, are the eye, the Transformers. Many millions of years ago, on the planet Cybertron, life existed, but not life as we know it today. Intelligent robots that could think and feel inhabited the cities. They were called Autobots and Decepticons. But the brutal Decepticons were driven by a single goal. Total domination. They set out to destroy the peace-loving Autobots. And a war between the forces of good and evil raged across Cybertron.
1: Hello and welcome to the TFG1 podcast. It is the year 2012 and we are semi-back. More details on that later. Uh, But yes, this is the second voice actor interview for the TFG1 podcast. Uh, Michael and I talked with Dan Gilvezan last time, and this time we are talking to none other than Mr. Greg Berger.
3: Yeah, I'm really excited for this because I've met Greg Berger a couple of times uh, at conventions and such but I've never really had a chance to sit down and have a lengthy conversation with him so this will yeah. be very cool
1: oh yes very much so and we're going to get right to it it is the year 2005
3: the
0: treacherous Decepticons have conquered the Autobots home planet of Cybertron <laughs> secret staging grounds on two of Cybertron's moons. The valiant Autobots prepare to retake their homeland. Their defenses are broken! Let the slaughter begin! Dinobots! Destroy Devastator! Me, Grimlock, love challenge! Dinobots, transform!
1: Hello and welcome to the TFG1 Podcast. I am one of your hosts, TFG1 Mike, and joining me is Pecan Court Michael. Hello. Hey, how's it going. It's going. And in the latest TFG1 Podcast interview, we welcome the voice of Ripcord, Skyfire, Longhaul, Ripto, Riptoe Hunter, 30 years of voicing Odie, and of course, Grimlock, as along with everything else he's done, Mr. Greg Berger. Hey, Greg, how are you? Hey,
2: hey, hey. Thanks for having I only go where I'm invited. Thanks for the invite.
1: I tried going where I wasn't invited and it didn't
2: work out well at all.
1: <laughs> yeah, no sneaking into places. Exactly. <laughs> I honestly had no clue. Like I knew you were the the voice of Odie or the the barking of Odie. You know, when I tell people, "Oh, voice of Odie," and they're like, "What voice?" I'm like, "Well, the dog barks, he's making vocal sounds." <laughs> so but I had no idea that you had you have been Odie for 30 years
2: uh, I was part of the original auditions for uh everything from Garfield on I I got on so well with Jim Davis and everybody else he told me years later that uh when I left the room he said I don't know what he's gonna do on the show but I want him uh I want him around and uh so obviously I'm Incredibly flattered by that, but yeah, I've been in since the first special special, and now I just Squeak the Mouse on the new show, and Harry the Alley Cat, and Herman the Mailman, so I'm, uh, I'm a good portion of the township.
1: Cool. Ah. So before we really get started, since I had done... Uh... Fangasm about Odie there for a second. Before we get started, <laughs> uh, can you give us the scoop on what's going on in the world of Greg Berger now? Any upcoming projects that you would like to reveal or that you're actually allowed to reveal? Well,
2: uh, allowed to reveal is really the key uh, for so many of us now. There's there's non-disclosure on so many projects that are in the works, understandably so, but uh, I've been given the go-ahead on, on uh, Transformers Fall of Cybertron. Uh, I am in as Grimlock. I'm very proud of the work. I'm very proud of the entire undertaking, and uh, we've just started season four of The Garfield Show, uh, so I'm, uh, I'm crazy busy, and uh, The Garfield Show puts me back mic-to-mic with Frank Welker every week, so uh, life is good. Life, life has been good, stays good, and uh, hopefully continues good.
1: Awesome, so kind of getting into your background, where did you grow up
2: uh I'm from the middle of the middle uh St Louis, Missouri. in fact, Dan Gilvezan and I wound up in college together in a theater conservatory in the midwest oh, uh, wow. webster College now webster university and uh we we uh we found ourselves on stage quite a bit together and it's amazing to keep tabs kind of through a lifetime with parallel sort of careers uh but uh I really think it was kind of an Archie and Veronica kind of way to grow up and be a kid when I was a kid and a teenager when I was a teenager and just sort of take careful notes on the world and all of the characters that make up the world. So, uh, yeah, I'm grateful for that, too. Um, I I followed sort of a theater course path and... uh, I I was always uh, character wise, kind of fascinated by the the voice first and foremost. Um, I'm a I'm a people watcher from way back, and and always got kind of my greatest uh, kind of interest in uh, in uh, all of the characters that frequent the world. Awesome! It's more fun to play the villainous ones. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> get to act all over the place exactly (laughs) leave it on the scenery
3: that's right yeah the villains always get the best lines
2: they really do
3: (laughs) so did you always want to be an actor or a voice actor i kind of uh
2: i i didn't know where i was headed or what i was doing in fact uh and when i went off to school. Uh, in New York State. I went to Colgate University, and I was an English major, and I had a pal, a very close pal then and now, uh, who was uh, part of the theater wing, and uh, there was a play they were having difficulty casting. He kind of dragged me along because he knew I enjoyed uh, doing dialects and voices and stuff, and uh, I auditioned, and the, uh, the head of the theater uh, department asked me what I was doing in the English department. And I said I I didn't rightly know. Uh, he said continue your interest. but he said you're the kind of person we love to have around. So uh, I pursued uh, I I pursued it starting my freshman end of my freshman year of college. I really had no inkling, but uh, honestly, it still feels fresh and new.
1: Awesome, yeah. So how did you break into the business? Um like how did you you know come up and how did you get discovered in voice acting?
2: Well, uh there's a bunch of of things that that all were partially responsible. Uh one I was doing theater in uh, in St. Louis with uh, the Repertory Company of St. Louis which was through the same university same college that I had gone to. Uh and I I just figured that one of my interests was voice and that people were hiring people for commercials in that town. There were advertising agencies and I kind of crafted the most ridiculously inane voice demo you can imagine. And I took it around. I credit a lot of my success and anybody's success with a combination of, of optimistic naivete and, and just kind of, uh, good fortune that comes from hard work. Uh, I took it around to agencies, and a guy called me, and uh, he said, when I heard your demo, I knew I had to meet you, so I went and and met with him. He said, that's the worst voice demo I've ever heard. Don't ever let anyone else hear that. He said, (laughs) but you you have a very interesting voice, and uh, I may be able to be of some help to you in doing this the right way instead of the wrong way. And, in fact, he did. He's one of my heroes. Uh, And that got me... Some radio work in St. Louis. Uh, and I, I i guess I've never been comfortable staying in one place forever. So uh, I ventured forth and met with some agents in Chicago, got represented in Chicago, did work in Chicago, felt comfortable enough with that, uh, that I took... I I acted in a tour that headed for California while I was here. I continued spending every day off pounding pavement and trying to meet people. And, you know, I'm of the opinion that to get what you want, you got to wake up earlier and stay up later and knock on more doors than everybody else. And uh, every once in a while, somebody answers the door and says, come on in. And uh, honest to goodness, that that uh, that's kind of the path I took.
1: Awesome. Very cool. That's that's probably one of the more interesting answers to that question that we've gotten. We've gotten a lot of interesting answers. Like David Kay said, oh, well, I, you know, instead of getting in trouble for voices, I get paid for them now. <laughs> so, well, Welker well, I, I always find...
2: used to say, well, it was this or college.
3: <laughs> I find it interesting that you did all this in the Midwest as opposed to, you know, growing up in L.A. or. Or, you I know, even, It seems to me that a lot of the voice actors are, are either in L.A. or they gravitate to L.A. I gravitated to L.A., but I, I had
2: I had a comfort zone in in uh, the Midwest cities that I had been in. In fact, I got my my SAG card in. Doing industrial films in St. Louis and Kansas City, there was one of... If you stick around and you ask enough questions and you find out who's doing what, they were actually doing kind of training films for corporations and things, but it was all under a Screen Actors Guild contract, and I was able to put together enough credits to, to join while I was there. Plus, there was, in those days... Uh, a number of theaters that were working. So I, I, I've always considered myself a juggler, and I figure the more things that you have in the air at any one moment, the more likely you are to be able to catch one. So, uh, I mean, and I, frankly, I still do that. I do it with promos and narrations and and radio spots and animation and video games and teaching and writing. And, um, you know, I just... Uh, I'm not someone who has ever been comfortable sitting around waiting for the phone to ring, because I think a lot of the people who wait for the phone to ring and look for them uh spend most of their lives waiting. And I, I'm just not comfortable with that. I'd rather be doing than waiting. Yeah. Just and months. it kinda it kind of doesn't matter what it is you're doing. It just sort of right. keeps your juices flowing and you and you feel like you're on the active list instead of the waiting list.
1: Oh yeah, most definitely, because it was, you know, it's like You know, put as much work into what you're doing versus waiting for something to happen. Correct. You know, and that's and that's just the the better way to approach life. Um, Uh,
2: That that coupled with what I said was kind of an optimistic naivete. You just you just keep uh, keep trying to be in the right place when something good is trying to happen.
1: Yeah. I'm laughing at my title for the next question. The, t- the title for the question. This isn't the actual question, but the, the header here. Being Are we playing one... Jeopardy? No, no, no. <laughs> Our Being final my...
2: Jeopardy quest... oh, answer question. Oh, no, no. Title. No, no, no. <laughs> <No. laughs>
1: <laughs> Being the one dog Frank Welker is not.
2: <laughs> it's actually true.
1: <laughs> you've been as as I said before you've been Odie for the past 30 years. You've worked with both Lorenzo Music and Frank Welker as Garfield. Tell us about those experiences. Uh
2: two of my uh two of my best closest uh most talented friends. Uh and when I teach I talk about Lorenzo Music saying Uh, You know, everybody says, don't even think about animation unless you've got 30 voices or 50 voices or whatever it is. Uh, I say you only need one, but it better be a really, really, really great one. Uh, Lorenzo is and was and remains the one and only, you know, that that was a voice uh, that that uh, the whole world responded to. Frank has given it his own turn and his own spin, and and uh, it, it's a whole new character with complete reverence for everything that came before. But uh, you know, to have the the privilege and pleasure of working with both of them is kind of dream stuff. And uh, I can't talk about the Garfield show or Garfield and Friends without talking about Jim Davis, without talking about Mark Evanier. Uh, without talking about all of the people involved it's most it's the most get along get it done family uh and and uh it's one of the few uh becoming fewer shows that that insists on being done ensemble style with complete knowledge and confidence that that uh you know the best work is always collaborative, and and uh, it, it's it's so much fun to be in that booth. It really, truly is, and always has been since since the first special. And my God, the longevity of those characters and those stories and and uh, that uh, that little neighborhood is is phenomenal and fantastic.
1: Well, I can I can kind of hear it in your voice. You were also Orson, weren't you, in Garfield and Friends? Well, maybe. Wade,
2: you're afraid of everything made. I've never seen anything like it. You're afraid of the water, <laughs> afraid of the dark, afraid of the nighttime, too. The sun and the shade, I'm really afraid. Wade, what will we do with you? Yes, I was. Oh. Was, am. Yeah. Animation is kind of uh, eternal.
1: This is so awesome. Nice. Yeah, I, lo- I, 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 I love the new show, especially that uh, Jason Marsden is normal.
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's having a very good time. <laughs> so life. awesome. Uh, yeah, and I, I just think uh, uh, it continues to be a great sandbox to be able to play in.
3: Yeah, it is. Very cool. So, transitioning over to your time in uh, G.I. Joe, mm-hmm. uh, tell us about your time on the show as Cutter, Ripcord, and Firefly, and uh, yep. was this similar to the ensemble cast uh, on uh, Transformers?
2: Yes, you've you've managed to leave out Spirit, who was one of my favorites, with his eagle freedom and his ongoing battle against Storm Shadow. Uh, I did Spirit, I did Cutter, I was always off to the island of no return. Uh, Ripcord only wanted to jump out of planes, and Firefly just wanted to blow up stuff. Uh, uh, <laughs> I was kind of the new kid on both Transformers and G.I. Joe, and... Uh, uh, I, I needed an air traffic controller. I was so busy in those days. There were so many episodes, and it was all happening at the same time. And I had been seen on stage. Uh, um, actually, I, I knew Wally Burr, the director, who, whose praises I sing as well. I mean, it. without trying to be goody-goody, I have so many people in in whose debt I am and and who I'm just awed by their abilities. Wally had this gift of, of just absorbing a storyboard and really demanding performances, even though sometimes it was extremely time consuming, but demanding performances that, that uh, obviously have lasted for decades. So, you know, he guessed right and he pumped up those universes, both transformers and GI Joe, which I kind of think of interchangeably because I was so busy jumping from one to the other. But, um, you know, th- th- there was phenomenal talent in the booth and I I, I hadn't been doing it uh, animation that long. So I just kind of sat and uh, and was in awe of the people I was working with. And I'm not undervaluing my contribution. You know, it was a red hot game of jump rope and I had to jump in and not not trip and bring bring the my best game to every session. Um, but but my God, what a what a fantastic place to uh to play and uh, and learn at the same time for me nice. they
3: were they, nice.
2: they were golden golden days, and uh sometimes there would be very long writers' uh breaks where they would work on script or or factor something new in so um we it, it's it's astonishing how many people from those days and those two shows are still working and still holding their own and still uh for the most part. Busy and and again, I think it speaks to like really careful casting. And uh, they, they were putting together a ball team and they put together a r- really winning seasons on both of those shows. But GI Joe, uh, Wally managed to pump up from the other side of the glass everything to these sort of epic battles and and Transformers, the same thing, only the battles were galactic, but it was all the marbles every time. Really vocally demanding, but but you wanted so much for it to be good and be right and be everything that uh, that they envisioned that everybody just sort of dove in and gave it their all every time.
3: Nice. <clears throat> so my favorite G.I. Joe figure as a kid was Firefly because he good. looked like a gray ninja.
2: <laughs>
3: uh, which one was yours?
2: uh well you i mean uh it was it was like i said it's it's really fun to be the bad guys and it's fun to be the good guys uh i would say if i had to pick and i hate picking because uh i i i, I really uh there's things i i love about every character but i just think the nobility of spirit and the ongoing battle with storm shadow and and kind of the moral overtones of of good and the dark side and and all that stuff it really appeals to me uh,
0: but it was also fun to blow stuff up
3: <laughs> <laughs> and honestly that voice is, is like ingrained in my brain because it was my favorite character and when yeah. he was on the show it was like oh this is awesome
2: well yeah you know, all, all the original gi joe episodes and uh transformer episodes are airing on the hub and also my uh men in black i i i was Agent K in the animated Men in Black and those are all airing on the hub as well. Shoot ah, him Jay. I didn't know that. Shoot him Jays a cerebro Their brains are in their bottoms, you know where to aim. <laughs>
3: That's awesome.
1: Men in Black 4, forget Tommy Lee Jones, Greg Berger.
3: When Tommy Lee retires, we're bringing Greg in to fill his shoes.
1: I thought thought
2: those animated episodes were were phenomenal storylines as well and really interesting and hard to resolve in the course of a half hour. I think a lot of them could have been fleshed out into longer form stories. That's how good they were.
3: Yeah, that was a really well-written series. Yep. I really liked that one. I didn't know that was you, though. Wow. Uh, they brought me in season two and on. Nice. Okay.
1: Cool. Very cool.
3: So, so you have all the figures of the characters that you've played,
2: right? Well, I'm I i uh, I'm gifted with a fair amount of them. I, I have the ones that I've been given. I wouldn't say I'm a rabid collector, but I, I really treasure the ones I have. And I've had sort of a secondary life uh going to conventions around the world and, uh, you know, meeting, meeting people, uh, face to face who, who, uh, have been incredibly loyal, uh, it through fandom. Uh, and it's, it's, it's great to meet people one-on-one. It's great to do Q and A's. It's great to stay in touch. Uh, it's great to know how, how receptive, uh, a lot of the uh producers have been to to fan demand the fans are uh, unbelievable and and social networking and the online community and the fact of people who keep alive those things that they loved growing up and and uh continue to be to be fans of i've had people introduce me to their kids i had a guy introduce me and say uh when Transformers was on in the morning, this guy's the reason I was late for school every day. And when they were on in the afternoon, this guy's the reason I missed my my last class in the afternoon. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's
2: nice. So, that's so... Yeah, it's cool. It's all, all cool. It's 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 great.
1: Now, do you have, you know, one figure per every character you have you've done, or do you just have certain ones? I have.
2: Uh... Odds and ends, uh, uh, you know. I'm not a collector. I'm kind of busy doing it. Uh,
1: right, right. But
2: but uh, but I've I've uh, held on to. The, I had I had uh, a Grimlock that I that I uh, ripped back. I would say my eye hand coordination is not good for transformable characters. I'm one of those guys that rips all the limbs off trying to trying <laughs> trying to make it
1: transform. <laughs> Please tell me you did not rip Grimlock's tail off.
2: Well, I didn't, but but, uh, I stopped just short. If it fell to me (laughs) to play all the games that I voice, uh, I'd rather watch people play who know what they're doing.
1: Right, yeah. Uh, All right, so the main reason... If it ever
2: falls to me to reinvent electricity, we're all going to sleep early every night. That's all. (laughs) all (laughs) Thank God I can talk.
1: Ain't that the truth. <laughs> so the main reason we are here because the, the, this podcast is it's a Transformers review podcast where we, myself, Michael, and our other friend Steve, uh, this was my first podcast that I started and I went to review all 98 episodes of, of the G1 series. So that's what we're here for. Very cool. Uh, did you audition for any other roles besides Grimlock, Long and Skyfire?
2: Uh, Outback. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, that's right. Outback. That's right.
2: Yeah. Uh oh, it was Outback as well. Um uh I auditioned I think for everything I ever did. There were occasional really peripheral characters per episode mm-hmm. that Wally would just sort of uh have have little uh, audition offs for in the booth. But uh I, I don't think anything was, was was a given or a giveaway. I think everything was earned uh by everybody and uh like I said, Wally Wally was just like the height of of integrity. And, and if he was putting his name on it, he was going to make everything the best it could be. I, I, uh, I will put that, uh, animated feature way up, uh, on character delineation and characters that you can care about. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just think they were very character driven stories and story driven characters. Uh, and I think that's, if if you're if you're trying to analyze and figure out why it had the has the longevity it has, I think that's probably the why you know and then there's some factor that nobody can account for, which is just that people loved it and held it close and and it meant something to them and uh you know so bravo for that
3: yeah yeah nice so speaking of wally and and grimlock uh how did you uh Me, settle on... leader? nice how did you settle on such a deep voice for grimlock and what was the process there of creating that voice
2: i think uh like i do with everything that i do i I really consider it all kind of a detective story and you look for as many clues as you can get and uh, most of what uh, i went with was increased aggression and increased uh muscular uh drive and decreased uh not not diminished but but uh, but sort of small brain big muscle and uh, just that hinging of the jaws and in the early episodes i actually sort of restricted my jaw <laughs> so once it was coming from there and i knew i was going to give myself a tonsillectomy every time we did a session <laughs> The rest kind of took care of itself. And I, I, I just, uh, at some point, you throw yourself into the character and open your mouth and see what happens. But I, I always wanted uh, aggression to to uh, be out front, and I wanted uh, that that uh, powerful jaw muscle to be uh, to be hearable at all times. Uh, you know, that, I was gifted with a lot of stuff. And, and just as an actor, your goal is always to sort of figure out something consistent that you can hold on to and any voice actor who's lucky enough to have a character that sustains for that long you're kind of obliged to just open the script every week and figure out where that uh, where that journey is going for you the character and obviously they took me in a lot of different directions and i tried to stay honest to all of them
3: huh. well frank welker had a throat ripping character voice but uh, i think grimlock came a close second that That hurt a lot, right? Um, You know what? It's just like going
2: to the gym and uh, you work your way up to the heavyweights and you try... There are a lot of people, I think, who try to be protective of their voices. I'm kind of more of the opinion that once you understand that muscle, uh, you you really get better results if you just throw yourself in all the way and assume that uh, you'll have some kind of innate protective mechanism yeah you know i i i i was i was going to leave it all in the studio every time and if that meant uh you know lozenges and everything afterwards so be it i, ju- I just wanted it to have the life that uh that thankfully it's it's had and has and continues to have mm-hmm. but i think i became a better actor and a stronger voice person and a stronger everything just having to find it every time uh for for what I was doing but yeah it was it was a tonsil blower and a throat ripper and and I would uh, I would always look at the glass between us and the producers and writers and say are those my tonsils
1: uh <laughs> well with you know you know stickler for for work and 12 hour sessions in those days yeah I could see why it would be a throat ripper and a tonsil blower
2: yeah oh boy but you know what it beats heavy lifting <laughs>
1: All right. So, which is your favorite version of Grimlock, in season 2 where he was a badass or in season 3 where he was more silly? Me Grimlock kicked butt.
2: The white boy hit my nose. Um I I obviously uh I I found I found where it needed to go. Season 3, we all found it together, but I I, I love but right. grimlock i love i love uh the sort of uh, uh looking over his shoulder at optimus and thinking it could be uh maybe done a different way and i i just i i, I think there was all kinds of stuff built into that that uh ass side uh that that just spoke to me but but uh like I said, I, I go along for the ride, you know. I I buy my ticket like everybody else, and wherever it goes, my job is to, to make it go there honestly.
3: Awesome, very nice. So it was more of just toning down the aggression, or pretty much the same voice. Well, yeah, yes, and and uh,
2: uh, just letting it letting it be driven situationally, and uh, and and trying to make it uh, stay true. Uh, including being gifted with a new brain, and then opting to pass it on. But whatever's in the pages is is kind of the gift that you're handed, and then it's it's your obligation to to make it gospel and and uh, and give it whatever it needs to get there. But there's also a whole host of people on the other side of the glass who are who are making decisions to make it fit the storyboard at, at the same time. So you know. It, you just uh, you you go back and forth till everybody's happy and that's when it's done. See
3: Greg brings it every time So,
2: <laughs>
3: so uh, I wanted to ask you about uh, Simon Furman. Uh, Simon mm-hmm. tends to include a lot of Grimlock in his writing. It's almost like a running gag in our podcast here. we always talk about Grimlock and Simon almost simultaneously. Uh, have you ever met Simon and did he gush I- like a fanboy?
2: We, uh, we have had the good fortune of meeting at conventions all the way from here to the U.K. And uh, every time we... we be-
1: lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, uh-huh, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
0: I never win and tell.
1: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Came fast friends, like, right away. We met at a botcon, I believe it was in Chicago, and it was at least 10 years ago, and we stay in touch. Uh, we're really uh, very kind of compatible as people, and, and uh, he's the one who brought to my attention how much... Grimlock history I wasn't aware of in my involvement with the animated series but uh back to uh, a lot of the book comic and a lot of uh uh actually intelligent more intelligent Grimlock and and still strong yes he has he has an immense fondness for it he's he's very 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 complimentary of of where I took it and uh at a couple of conventions Uh, He's actually written scripts that that sort of take liberties with it. Uh, But uh, but I've been able to do Furman scripts at at conventions, a lot of conventions at this point. Uh, But we always look forward to seeing each other. And he's he's another of these people with incredible integrity, great sense of humor, really bright, really funny and really fun. Yes, I'm I'm a huge fan of his. And I think it's mutual.
3: Uh, as are we you know we we really dig him but the uh you can see like in fall of cybertron which we'll we'll get to in a little bit but you can see where that came from you know his earlier stuff that was published in the comic book form
2: yeah i think it's all coming around and it's all becoming becoming uh uh sort of uh i don't know homogenous it it's uh There's 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 a real sense of continuity in play here.
3: Yeah. So we've all heard the Wally Burr session stories, but uh, is there a story that you can tell us that we maybe haven't heard yet?
2: Wow, I don't know. I can tell you. uh, I can tell you my favorite days were when Scatman Carruthers would bring his ukulele along and kind of hold court in the parking lot. And I think we got to know each other the acting company as, as, as people, because there were so many sort of breaks where they had to go over script revisions or relook at a scene or, uh, just sort of figure out what they, what they were up to and needed in that session. So we spent, we all spent a lot of time together, uh, out in the parking lot or in the, in the green room or wherever we were. And so that made for, for just a lot of getting to know each other time and, and, uh, that was phenomenal. Uh, let's see. Well, I I think uh, think a lot of
1: people tell the, uh, the feedback story. We've heard that before about Frank doing the feedback and the sound engineer, not knowing where it was coming from.
2: Frank, Frank can basically if he's in a silly enough mood, make the entire studio start arcing and make, uh, make sound engineers dive under the board and dive into the patchwork. He also, he also, if he got bored, would uh, would start making pay phone calls to himself in the corner of the b- room, uh, doing both sides of the conversation and the coins falling and the uh, the call connecting. And uh, uh, on at least one occasion, we heard we heard a little air leak in the room and uh, went on for sort of an interminable amount of time. And then uh, ultimately, Frank put his finger up to his. Head and plugged the leak in, and the air leak stopped. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, man. Um, I, I, I want to go back to something a minute ago. You mentioned, um, you know, regular Grimlock versus Grimlock having a brain. How did you go from the, the the Grimlock we all know and love to, not that we don't dislike Grimlock having a brain, but how did... how Walk us through that voice transition of the regular Grimlock to the one the voice that has the brain. That-
2: I'm not I'm not sure I can walk you through it cuz I'm not sure uh, like I was saying earlier that that you can really analyze anything mm-hmm. other than sort of uh turning the page when you're first reading a script and seeing, "Oh, I got to go there, huh? Okay, uh let's see how we're going to do that." And uh just kind of trying to create a transition uh From a more powerful, more aggressive to a more thoughtful and more uh, uh yeah intelligent uh, you just yeah. do it you just you just give yourself to it, and uh you know there are parts of this that are teachable and parts of it that are not teachable and not learnable, and that's just sort of that uh that leap of faith. That you make uh, in hopes that that uh, you're going to guess right. That's that's more true in video gaming voicing than anything else because, as a rule, you're in a booth all by yourself. You're kind of act, acting in a vacuum, and and uh, it's it's the director and the people on the other side of the glass who are kind of spoon feeding you. Uh, the scene and the emotional level and who you're talking to and how it goes, but you're really having a conversation by yourself. And I'm I'm not trying to change the subject, but but a lot of this is just sort of uh, an actor's trust in themselves and just sort of jumping there and knowing that they'll correct you if it's not ringing true and that you'll move on if it is ringing true. So yeah. I, I I just take I just take the the script that i'm given as the place that i have to get to that's that's my job uh and if i if i mess it up i'll be made aware of that and if i do it right somebody will pat me on the head and give me a gold star and pat me on the back and off we go
1: yeah yeah uh, you know, video games, you know, and even 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 before uh, Fall of Cybertron, you've been doing Grimlock for different things, like you did it for a a Botcon promo for this year. Mm. Um, but specifically to Fall of Cybertron, what was it like coming back and like doing Grimlock again, seeing him in a video game versus the animation?
2: Well, I I, I gotta say, uh, I I think it's uh if it's not one of my proudest moments it's it's my absolute proudest moment this is this is nuts and this is fantastic and a lot of this uh even according to to uh Hasbro and Activision was was fan demand and and uh keeping hope alive and and uh and it's it's phenomenal um i i will say i dove in and and had had a fun, fantastic time f-a-n-tastic time <laughs> and uh i i really feel uh the importance of of uh all of the stuff i've been allowed to do and uh now we're in the realm of of things i'm allowed to talk about not allowed to talk about i'm i'm at liberty to talk about my involvement and my pride and uh uh the awesomeness of the whole experience but not not specifics because uh
1: well, we already know Get, from getting ready to launch. And stuff like that online. We already know that Grimlock will have fire breath <laughs> he, you know I mean you know fire breathing <laughs> Tyrannosaurus Rex on cybertron that's just amazing
2: it's it's all so cool
3: and so exciting <laughs> space dinosaur oh wait, no Mac Teker always says space t rex <laughs>
2: space t
3: he's a space t rex How cool is that
2: uh it's pretty friggin cool yes <laughs>
3: <laughs> well as soon as we saw the e3 footage uh the e3 footage actually included the voice and uh-huh. i said that's got to be that's got to be greg burger cool
2: yeah, yeah i i'm i'm on i'm on cloud nine uh nice. it, it's a it's a cybertronian phenomenon and it's great
3: cool. uh speaking of matt uh Matt Teeger has said that Hasbro was going to abandon the Dinobots in their new consolidated Transformers mythology, uh, and to hear Matt tell it, you know, he it sounds like he kind of takes credit for saving the Dinobots and Grimlock in particular by writing a believable reason for the dinosaurs to be on Cybertron four million years ago. Uh huh. So, what, what's your take on this? What do you think about that?
2: It's outside my realm. I I, I arrived in the mix after all of that had been done, I know that they, that, uh, Aaron Archer from Hasbro and Matt, and I know, I know that everybody was putting their heads together and, and, uh, trying to make this, uh, not trying, but allowing it uh to all work believably and all work, uh, realistically in, in the, in the storyline. So, um, that all predates me, but I'm, I'm the beneficiary of, of everything that they put their heads together and, and uh, came up with. And, and I think it's going to play like a dream.
3: Uh, I can't wait to play it. Uh, actually, I only play games on the PC. I don't have a console at home. So I was really excited uh, when Matt announced, uh, I think via the Facebook page, that uh-huh. they were going to create the PC version after all. Again, that that's outside my realm. Yeah.
2: I, I, I'm not sure about platforms or anything. Uh, but uh, if that's the news, that's great news.
3: Yeah, no, I can't wait to play. It should be exciting. So transitioning again, uh, uh, are there any crazy off-the-wall, behind-the-scenes moments you can tell us about the uh, voice sessions for Fall of Cybertron? Uh,
2: I, I was... Uh, I was alone uh in the okay. sessions that I did. So like most video game interactive gaming situations uh it just it's it's a really intimate relationship between both sides of the studio glass because they kind of have to fill in all of the blanks. So it it's 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 an exercise in kind of closing your eyes and and really getting the feel of where you are and the size of where you are and obviously this is an all the marbles epic 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 battle and um so so it was between uh between me and the microphone for the most part and i can't tell you uh crazy stories about it other other than uh other than uh, it, w- it it was it was urgent and it was important and it was all the marbles and it was it was totally fulfilling to me and i wanted to uh, make this everything it could be i can't tell you i didn't take it personally i took it totally personally uh this this was uh this was a crowning gig for me i i,
3: I literally crowning <laughs> <laughs> king <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah anyway it would be really nice to see you do more grimlock stuff in the future well uh here here cross the fingers yeah so talking uh Let's talk about other voice actors. Uh, Who are some of the other voice actors that influenced you? Uh,
2: Dawes Butler. I I mean, a lot of the classic voices are what influenced me. Uh, Dawes Butler and Mel Blanc and June Foray and uh, uh, more recently Peter Cullen and John DiMaggio and uh, Dan Castellaneta. I mean, all, all people who I work with and work with fairly regularly. Um, but I I can't even tell you how phenomenal it is to just share waiting rooms and table reads and, and everybody's got, got a, a a goofy, funny bone. And, uh, you know, when all else fails, we go back to the script, but usually in ensemble reads and ensemble get togethers, we're, we're just allowed to kick it around until it's time to work. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're all readers, so uh tend to be mm-hmm. kind of better read i guess uh the jokes are dirtier and and uh it just it's, it's just everybody i think I think because the voice has such a thumbprint to it uh that that everybody <clears throat> in the working tier kind of knows it could be anybody any anytime, and you're all taking your best shot, you can't take somebody else's best shot. Either I'm still that naive, or it's just not competitive in the same way because everybody's reached this this uh, uh, level of of being accepted in the community, and uh, you know, at some point, everybody got off the bus. You had to convince everybody every time, and to a certain degree, you still do. But uh, mm-hmm. I I just think it's a it's a pretty uh, copacetic community of people. I think we're all kind of always glad to see each other and uh it just seems like everybody wishes each other the best going in and whoever gets it is not necessarily at the expense of somebody else's talent it's just whoever's most right for whatever's
3: being done that day right right yeah i'm a firm believer that those ensemble get-togethers should be like a pay-per-view event we should all get to watch these
2: you know, we just lost Ray Bradbury, and and may he rest in peace. But uh, there was an interview with him, where he said uh, he said people always say, "When are you going to retire?" And he always answered. He said he said everything I do is is fun for me. Why would I retire from having fun? Uh, you know, if you love what you're doing, there, there's real. There's no real sense of. Of needing to retire from it it's it's what you do it's who you are and when i teach which i do kind of irregularly uh i basically say the same thing if 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 you're not bringing all of who you are to what you're doing then then you're cheating the audience and you're cheating yourself you know it's it's a big deal to be allowed to do what it is you love doing and it's a big deal to be allowed to play to to be paid to play uh, yeah. and, and you shouldn't take it for granted and you should, uh, celebrate every time I'm still, you know, Cinderella going to the ball. Every time somebody picks me, somebody, somebody plugs me into something and, uh, you know, it's, uh, there's a, there's a quote that says the harder I work, the luckier I get. So you, you know, you can say, uh, you can say you've been fortunate, but it, it also should mean that, that, yeah. that you put in the work
3: you get out of it what you put back into it you know exactly. you, you made me uh think about something you had mentioned a couple of times that you teach and i wasn't aware of this what what can you tell us about how how could i be in a greg burger class there's a well, good question
2: it's it's uh...
3: lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky
1: lucky
2: I was working through a place called talk shop l a and giving uh classes I, at the moment I'm trying to compress it into a more travelable um, format so that i could i could take it to some other cities and stuff uh and do it in a in a more compact presentation but uh the hard part is and when i start my well actually when I start my class i say uh do everything you do today as though someone decades from today might still remember it, because I'm here to tell you uh, that, that that's exactly how how it has gone for me. And I talk about Transformers and G.I. Joe. Um, but but uh, the other thing is I can't get anyone a job. I can't get anyone an agent. I can't further anyone's career that's the part they have to do when they leave what i do when i teach is basically you know set it up like like uh gold's gym and just i i can promise students that they'll leave stronger because we'll look for what their strengths are and we'll exercise those and we'll we'll try and and expand parameters and people that don't know their versatility you know, every, every situation and every breakdown that you see in an animated uh, series uh, gives, you, gives you clues. If, you, if you're really true to that mix of elements plus uh, whatever the artist supplies you, of course you're going to come up with something new because all of the elements that you're supposed to be mixing around are new. So, uh, you know, even if it may be similar to something you've done before, it won't be the same because no two characters are the same. Uh anyway, right. that's kind of the way we, we approach it. But I'm I'm hoping to begin taking it uh on the road and, and uh trying to light some fires under people in in other cities. You know, right. and if it if it lights a fire, hey, go for it and don't let anybody stop you. But if if someone can stop you, let them. Maybe maybe it's not strong enough. Your your strength and your belief in yourself will be tested uh every day. Uh, and if, if you're not willing to, uh, to be the answer to people's problems and bring something to the party that's not already at it, then maybe maybe you shouldn't go on. And if you are and no one can convince you that you're not, maybe you're the guy or girl who should go for it, you know?
3: Nice. See, so I can see you selling out some auditoriums on like a, a university roadshow type of situation.
2: Uh, that and, uh, and my warm-up band.
3: No. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we talked to uh, Bob Skeer, who uh-huh. uh, did a bunch of writing for uh, GI Joe and Transformers, uh-huh. and he teaches at uh, I want to say UCLA. I forget, uh-huh. but that was really interesting to hear from him because I... he, you know, he teaches people how to do what he does, and
2: it's very you know, cool. And and. Uh... I just I, – I, I am not doing it in an ongoing or, or academic environment yet. I, I may look at that someday, but uh, – well, then I'll have to grow a full beard and smoke a pipe and do a jacket <laughs> photo. There you go, with the patches on the sleeves. Exactly, and, and white <laughs> whale corduroy pants and a, and some kind of tweed jacket.
3: Uh, so <laughs> that's funny. Speaking of writers, uh, see, see what I did there. Uh, have you ever seen something in a script – that you would refuse to say. Uh,
2: well, yeah. Uh actually I I've, I've kind of steered clear of some stuff just cuz I I didn't feel comfortable. It, the thing is everything that's recorded and everything that's that's filmed and everything that's everything is is like forever in all formats now and so i want to feel comfortable with everything i'm doing and i feel there's things i feel stronger about and things i feel less strong about i've been approached for um some voiceovers for uh some political stuff that that uh i've i've said no to because i don't want to influence anybody uh that that uh if it's something i don't feel that i can endorse or, or get behind i want to have at least a point of view about everything that that I'm asked to say, and I want to I want to feel good about it. I want to be able to talk about it positively, but that's just me. I'm just you know <laughs> ter- ter- terminally optimistic. I'm I'm a positive person, and and I don't want to soil it if I don't have to.
3: Right. So it's more of a political issue and not a wow. This guy just said something really heinous, and I don't think I should be voicing that
2: yeah i don't know i i just i just think you you take everything uh you take everything and look at it and and if you can't feel comfortable about doing it you know don't do it uh i don't i well, i think it i think in the end it'll it'll gain you more friends than it loses you
3: yeah absolutely but what do i know
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> actually i was waiting for mike to jump in there <laughs> I feel like I'm uh, commandeering.
2: <laughs> well, fun I'm having fun talking to you guys.
3: All righty. So you know what? You, you mentioned earlier uh, about meeting Simon Furman at the conventions. Um, uh-huh. You've been to a few of these conventions. What do you think?
2: Uh, you know what? It's not for everybody. It is for me. I totally dig the vibe. Uh, I really like the uh the camaraderie. I really like the panels. I really like the sincerity of the questions i i uh, i 've been approached by people that if I saw them in a back alley i 'd probably start walking a little faster but uh when i 've gotten to know them one on one at my table or in a in a panel room or whatever you know everybody 's there for the same reason everybody's there for the love of the game. And uh, I've met some terrific people, and I've had some terrific times. Now, having said that, I'll, whenever I get back from a convention, there'll be somebody in an audition or whatever that says, oh, that must be awful. And I and I say every time, I say, well, you know what? It would have been awful for you, uh, but it was fantastic for me. I really like it. I've been afforded incredible travel opportunities, and, uh, and I just uh, have been to be honest, kind of nicely pampered while I'm there. And, uh, it's all good. Uh, I'm doing my 13th consecutive San Diego comic-con this summer. And, uh, that's kind of the mother of them all. Wow. Uh, and it's just, uh, it's nuts, but it's nuts in a good way. And the floor is incredibly cool. And most of the vendors all, have something interesting and eclectic and quirky about them, and and you know that's what I look for. I look for the genuine originals in life, and uh, and a lot of them are in the convention circuits. So I love it. Plus, it it really has afforded me uh, tens of thousands of miles of travel and tens of thousands of of fans one on one, maybe more than that. It's it it's all good. And and BotCon, which is which is specific to Transformers, and mm-hmm. Auto Assembly, which is specific to Transformers, and TFCon in Toronto, they've all been just just fantastic, uh, narrow cast, not not so narrow because there's so many incarnations of Transformers, but right. but huge assemblies of people, uh, with, with a real love and loyalty to the whole franchise. Oh
1: yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's gonna kind of wrap it up for us. Would you like to inform the fans of where they can interact with you online? If they're, you know, I, I know you're on Facebook, but I don't know how often you you interact with people on that. Do you do Twitter or anything like that on online?
2: I haven't been twittering, but Facebook uh, slash my name g r e g g b e r g e r. They can always find out, like I do, what I've been doing, what I am doing, and what I will be doing uh, if they search my name at imdb.com. Uh, there is a gregburger.com, uh, website and,
1: um, I clicked that, on that a couple of times. It does not go to anything that has to do with you.
2: Really? Yes. Well, you I need will,
1: to look into that.
2: I will look into it immediately. Yes. Well, thanks for the heads up.
1: <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, a before speed,
2: a speed bump on the internet super highway,
1: there you go. A speed <laughs> bump. That's like five feet high. <laughs> Uh, before we let you go, uh, remind the listeners what you have coming up. Uh, we know Follow Cybertron is going to be huge. Is there anything else that you've got going on that you want to tell the listeners about? Uh,
2: I have a very nice role in Resident Evil Raccoon City as Harley, uh, and I have been allowed to uh, make it known that I will be involved with Guild Wars 2. Uh, I can't say much more than that, but I'll be there. And uh, like that, watch for watch for all seasons of Transformers and G.I. Joe on the Hub and Men in Black. Watch for upcoming seasons of The Garfield Show and Life is Good.
1: <laughs> We'd like to thank Mr. Berger for taking the time to chat with us here in this TFG1 podcast interview. We'll ask you to hold the line and we'll be back after this.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks again.
1: Me Grimlock kick butt.
0: Sweet Dino, won't you step into the nice space for blood? Pretty please, pretty, 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 please. Nice Dino, good Dino, with sugar on top in a cherry and some whipped cream. Nice Dino, good Dino, sweet Dino. Me Grimlock, not nice Dino. Me nice Brains. This reminds me of the battle on Alpha 9. The Petra Rabbits with were... Grimlock, get your noodle out of my face. Me Grimlock love Cubs' war stories. You're living one now! Engage the boosters, for Cybertron's sake! Tell Grimlock about Petro-Rabbits again! I'll give you Petro-Rabbits!
2: Congratulations Autobots,
0: we've lost them. So rest while you can. Yep, I remember the dust was so thick for Beta-4, you had to use windshield wipers on your optic sensors. Me, Grimlock, know all about wipers. Want to hear good part of story? Good part, Cop! Tell Swoop good part! Okay, okay. Well, the dust was really thick. And then this gigantic achiac came trumping and stumping down the mountain, flames spewing out of its nostrils. And I thought for sure. Hey Cop, don't you think we have better things to do now than tell old stories? Like what? like, maybe figure out how we're going to rescue our friends and then save Cybertron. No! Tell story! <laughs> Quiet! Tell story. We want to hear story!
2: story. <laughs> time out, time out, time out! Me Grimlock say you listening to the
1: TFG1
0: podcast. Me Grimlock need new strategy.
1: So, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, my God.
3: Yeah, that was pretty I really great.
1: I plodged when he went into Yo- uh, Odie barks. I was like, you know, it's just that simple thing. It's it's just that simple of a thing that it's like, wow.
3: You know what's weird is I've got a friend of mine uh, who is the uh, best man at my wedding. He's actually he's married to somebody who has been a lifelong Garfield fan, mm-hmm. and it's it's very rare that I you know send her links to the podcasts that we do. But in this case. <laughs> <laughs> in this case i think we have a new listener
1: yes yes but no talking with greg was so awesome such a great down-to-earth guy uh just amazing it was so great talking to him um and we're gonna keep the interviews going here on the tfg1 podcast uh as many as i can get uh You know, obviously, sadly, I don't think we're going to be able to get Mr. Welker or Mr. Cullen, but if we do, obviously, the listeners will know. But uh, I'm going to announce here and now, uh, 2014, the 30th anniversary, TFG1 Podcast is coming back, and we are redoing the entire G1 series. It's going to be done differently. It's going to be done uh, not five episodes at a time. It's going to be a different format. It's still going to be us talking about each of the episodes, Uh, I believe it'll be myself, Michael, as always, uh, Steve, Megatron, and Kevin, uh, all four of us. I'm not sure if it's going to be all four of us on every episode. It might be three of us. It might be two of us. It just depends, because the way I'm going to advertise it is, hey, who wants to talk about these episodes? If everyone wants to talk about all of them, obviously, it'll be all four of us. But (laughs) no, we have a plan. TFG1 is making a comeback for the 30th anniversary.
3: Wow. Yes. That's exciting. Yes. Two years from now. Oh, well, it's like six years from the original airing of TNG one and four years after it ended completely, we're doing it again. (laughs) That's right. It's like, oh, okay, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is where you put on your sunglasses and go, yeah.
1: Exactly. Rock
3: out. Exactly.
1: But, no, thank you so much to Greg Berger. Greg is such an amazing guy. It was so great talking to him. Uh, Just a fun time.
3: I'm so impressed with Greg. Yeah, I've met him a couple of times at conventions, but again, this is the first time I've really got a chance to sit down and talk with him. And he's just such a good guy to talk with. (laughs) Fanboy gushing. Yeah. Stop it. Yes, yes. Yeah. Stop it. Stop it. All right. So that's
1: going to do it for this interview here on the TFG1 podcast. We will catch you next time with whomever we're able to get next time. You never know. It might be Michael Bell. might be Neil Ross. Anyone. Well, not that that person has anything to do with you. Anyway. All right. So for now, I am TFG1 Mike with Michael Wilson. Thank you for listening. Transform and roll out. <laughs> podcast good.